New Zealand has sort of gone through the two cycles. So now we are in a position where uh, facing the challenge of the age infrastructure, we need to bring up to uh, renewals and, and to a level where we can sustain. But at the same time, uh, we are facing the growth challenge. Welcome along to the Asset Guardian podcast, where we explore the discipline of asset management throughout New Zealand and speak with industry leaders to learn more about the innovation and challenges in today's evolving world of technology, infrastructure and regulation. My name is Josh Pope, and I'll be your guide on this journey into the world of kaitiakirawa and asset management. Welcome along to the first episode of the Asset Guardian podcast for 2023. It's my pleasure to welcome along Wakar Qureshi on the show today for the first episode. Uh, Wakar has an extensive background in the electrical industry with over 17 years of diversified experience across the sector. His career spans from executive infrastructure management, asset management, facilities management and ICT executive management. Wakar is experienced in implementing and auditing various ISO standards, including ISO 55000. Wakar has recently held various executive roles with uh, Horizon in New Zealand and is now General Manager for Wellington Electricity. It's my pleasure to welcome Wakar on the show today and to, can't wait to hear his asset management journey and share it with you all. Uh, kia ora Wakar and welcome along to the first episode of the year. Kia ora Josh, thank you so much for uh, inviting me for having this uh, conversation on asset management. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it today and looking forward to sort of hearing your journey and, uh, you know, how, how you got into the industry. But um, do you perhaps want to introduce yourself to the audience and maybe just speak a little bit about uh, your current role and what you're doing at the moment? Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, before I start, I think I'll probably put a small disclaimer that uh, any of the conversation I'm going to have today on your show uh, does not reflect any of my employer's views or uh, which is uh, Wellington Electricity or my past employer Horizon Networks. So I'm speaking in my personal capacity at your show. So as you introduced me briefly, I have um, worked for Horizon Networks in the asset management capacity. Uh, my current role is, uh, is GM Asset Management at Wellington Electricity. Uh, this role is slightly bigger than uh, the title uh, suggests because uh, in my role I also have 24-7 network control room as part of my role as well. So uh, we are quite a lean team at Wellington Electricity, so I look after operations alongside with asset management um, here. Uh, so mainly uh, the teams I look after is asset and planning. Uh, uh, asset engineering um, and future services team, asset strategy and uh, network operations. Nice. Well, I was, I was actually just going to say I'm quite excited for um, that. I was actually excited when I saw the the title of your role being GM of uh, asset management because I feel like that's possibly not very common where it's deliberately asset management focused because as you sort of spoke it, you know, the, the 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 role itself has quite a wide range of responsibilities within it but I think that is asset management as a whole you know if, if you look sort of the whole of life or, or consider that an, an asset management it actually incorporates all of those operational functions whereas quite often at perhaps a senior leadership level it's, it's actually broken out individually into operations and maybe um you know planning but it's it's, it's interesting and i was you know, like i say quite exciting to sort of see that asset management title appear in a senior leadership role so 
Was that yeah. a new position with Wellington Electricity or? No, this is uh, this was a current position. So I was recruited uh, as the previous GM asset management uh, left the company uh, late last year. So they uh, recruited in uh, in the same position. But I, th I think this uh, position was created some time ago when uh, Wellington Electricity uh, was took over by the new management. They used to have a title called Net uh, GM Network. Uh, that thing that's a few years ago. And then they introduced uh, uh, more uh, senior leaders in the SLT level. And GM asset management uh, was one of the role which uh, which came out of the GM network and, and a GM service delivery was also introduced to make sure that that service delivery through the contractors is managed separately outside of this role. And this role focuses more, uh, focuses more on the operations and the long term uh, delivery of the asset management and risk management. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, well, just bringing it back to a, a personal personal level uh, before we get too far into the technical stuff. Um, if you weren't doing your current role, uh, is there any other passions that you'd like to follow or, or may have followed in your sort of career or, or life? Yes, absolutely. I think I am um, a technologist at heart. Um, uh, in my past role uh, at Horizon Energy Group, you may have noticed that I also had the technology portfolio with me. So I was looking after the uh, Horizon Energy Group technology, ICT, um, and uh, that's probably because of my passion. So asset management uh, is definitely one of my passion, but uh, the use of technology, the use of information, the use of data is, is another area where I uh, would like to see myself continuing to explore more. Uh, but luckily, uh, I found the application of the other passion into my asset management. That was quite uh, interesting overlap, which I sort of enjoy in in my current role. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of of asset management, and where, and where a lot of people, um, you know, seem to end up in these roles because they they may have entered through one of those streams. But then, you know, we know how important data. And technology is in asset management for good decision making, right? So it, it, it's sort of um, no wonder that, that there is that sort of crossover between the two. Um, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, believe it or not, I wanted to be doctor. And uh, when I was in high school, um, something changed. I think I got introduced to some engineers um, in my high school. Uh, I think um, one of the engineers came and spoke to us. And he talked about um, what are the benefits of being an engineer, how they contribute to the society. Because uh, as a kid, I only had exposure to doctors because we knew that doctors are good people. They they serve the community, they help people, you know, cure and etc. But never had exposure to engineers because I didn't have any engineer in my family uh before before me so um and i could only kind of as inspire to be a doctor as as someone who would you know benefit the society uh and when i got introduced to some engineers it sort of started shaping up my mind and i got more interested in maths and 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 uh, engineering subjects after that yeah well there's probably a little bit of crossover i guess early on in the the learning stage there with the the maths and science between you know, doctor and engineer, but uh, as you sort of get further into it, I guess they start to diverge and, um, you know, there must have been that fork in the road decision where you sort of thought, I'm actually just going to follow engineering rather than 
rather than being a doctor. Um, I've been following you for a little bit on LinkedIn, and uh, I, I see sort of a few months back you did a talk about uh, New Zealand's asset management experience with engineers, managers, owners from um, Pakistan, uh, India, the UAE. Um, how do you think, uh, you know, Aotearoa's companies um, sort of compare with other com- countries in terms of, say, asset management? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, this this uh, session was more about introducing New Zealand asset management practices to some of the audience. But uh, having been wor- having worked in Pakistan and and being um, aware of uh, India and UAE infrastructure management, I can probably make uh, a few comments. I think uh, the approach which is taken in asset management in 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 Pakistan, India, and UAE is very drastically different compared to New Zealand. And I'll probably go one after another. India and Pakistan is probably more similar. Uh, the asset manual approach there is more um, reactive. It's like more like a run to fail because of the lack of, uh, you know, capital available to do large infrastructure because it, uh, infrastructure and population. So they, 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 they heavily optimize how they spend and 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 how they really go about choosing where to invest and they 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 react to most of those infrastructure decisions and 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 decide to put a lot of those assets into a run to fail categories where we would normally would not do in New Zealand UAE has a very different approach they have a very futuristic and a growth mindset so they don't normally go with the like an incremental uh uh you know plans uh four or four or five, 10 years, they're normally looking at like really big 30 year, 50 year plans and they wow. like to develop big infrastructures. As you can see and imagine how they 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 take their infrastructure approach to another level. So UAE, uh, and I think that's probably also of uh, the reflection of the same comment I made about Pakistan India is the availability of the large capital available uh, and easy access to that capital and you can take a very different approach to asset management. However, a lot of the infrastructure in UAE is quite new, uh, and uh, we have yet to find out what happens after 20, 30, 40 years, and what sort of approach they take uh, towards managing the infrastructure they have built in the last 20 years. Uh, because right now they're still in the growth mode, and that's a very different sort of phase of the infrastructure. New Zealand has sort of gone through the two cycles. So now we are in a position where uh, facing the challenge of the age infrastructure, we need to bring up to uh, renewals and, and to a level where we can sustain. But at the same time, uh, we are facing the growth challenge for various reasons. And if we purely talk about electricity sector, so because of all this decarbonization, electrification, the targets government has set for New Zealand, uh, there's a there's a big growth which can be seen coming in the next few years, and everybody's getting ready for it. And it's slightly unusual, and 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 it's not a BAU asset management for New Zealand, but New Zealand has so far been optimizing assets. They have. Uh, uh, you know, have some really tight rules around uh, the investment levels because most of the infrastructures are regulated and you need to be careful about how much you can spend and what you can recover uh, for a very small period of time, whether it's a five-year cycle, ten-year cycle, you have very short recovery periods and that sort of dictates how you invest in infrastructure. And that's also probably part of the problem 
how uh, the decisions are made uh, uh, for a short-term basis, not a long-term basis for New Zealand infrastructure. And that, that not only includes the distribution infrastructure, but that includes everything, whether it's rails, whether it's roads, and any other infrastructure. They go through the same regulatory sort of challenges. And that's the difference uh, uh, I can sort of explain in all these four countries' asset management approaches. Yeah, I think you've summed that up perfectly there. I, uh, especially, I think especially looking at, you know, if you if you talk about the difference between, you know, Pakistan, India, and then the UAE, and, and like really highlighting that point between, well, you know, one, two of these countries have, have been building, have, been, have gone through a growth period, and now in that situation where they need to look after these legacy assets or replace them, and then UAE is still in that growth period, and then then compare that to New Zealand, it's the exact same, you know, um, perspective I have and the same sort of conversations I have with people where we're, you know, we've been building through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and now we're facing these situations where these assets are, are now coming to end of life or uh, require significant maintenance to maintain them and, and keep them at, at, you know, optimal service levels. And so, uh, it probably leads into my next question quite well, and and yeah, we may have covered the bulk of it, but it's sort of what what are some of the challenges and maybe opportunities that you see there for um, out of those like electrical industry? Yeah, it doesn't have to be the electrical industry, but I know we're both biased towards the electrical industry considering our backgrounds. But uh, yeah, so what are some of those sort of challenges and opportunities that you can sort of see in infrastructure? Yeah, I think I did touch on one of the big challenge in my earlier question. Uh, sorry, earlier answer. Uh, first is the regulatory framework. I think uh, because we are now changing our approach towards, uh, you know, going from BAU asset management, maintaining the infrastructure, optimizing to uh, going back, rebuilding phase again, uh, the current regulatory framework uh, is quite challenging um, for the infrastructure owners to allow their investment to happen and be able to recover that. So there's a bit of a challenge there, which uh, sort of hinders uh, the infrastructure owner's ability to make some good decisions at a much faster pace. And by the time those decisions are to be made, uh, the challenge uh, or the, the problem is already on your door. Uh, and, and the growth you were planning to build for has already happened. And now you're, you're, you're facing the next big challenge. So that's one of the, the, the key problems uh, in New Zealand, that the regulation needs to catch up quite quickly uh, with the pace of development required in the country. And if that doesn't happen, it is always going to trip or uh, result in suboptimal decision-making around investments. So that's one of the key challenges. The other challenge around infrastructure is the current setup in the, uh, specifically talking about electrical industry, uh, the current setup of the uh, the the market and and the the whole retailer distributor arrangement is again another challenge because um, uh, most of the decision making comes from access to good data as I touched upon earlier and not having access to the customer data or have the ability to be able to see how the customers are using those infrastructure or assets uh, limits the ability of the infrastructure owners to make some smart decisions. Mm. And that, uh, I and, and and dare I say that I'm talking about smart meter data access issues and challenges because that data is currently uh, is the property or sort of in the access of retailers, which mm. uh, separate it from the distribution companies. 
So I think we need to solve this data challenge for for electricity industry to be able to optimize or be able to make this uh, uh, industry or infrastructure management in, in, in electricity industry uh, a bit more um, optimal, especially with the arrival of the new technologies such as electric vehicles, uh, batteries and more PVs and, and everything connecting at the uh, user level behind the meter uh, is giving uh, more and more, uh, you know, uh, uncertainty to infrastructure uh, owners in terms of how they are going to continue to provide the security of supply to those customers and still uh, make the right decisions. So these are some of the core uh, challenges and these are the opportunities as well at the same time because uh, we have the opportunity to, you know, catch up on the regulation to make it right or or make it work for 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 New Zealand. And also uh, having solved these data access challenges will allow a number of new opportunities to emerge from this challenge being addressed. And, and the ability of the infrastructure owner to be able to manage some of those new technologies will probably introduce more uh, ways to optimize infrastructure. Uh, and make some uh, more optimized asset management decisions. So, yeah, I'll probably stay with these three. I, I, I can go with more, but I think these are probably the core three challenges I would like to highlight. Yeah, no, I, and, and I definitely agree. I think the, uh, the the smart meter one's quite interesting, right? So for anybody who's, who's possibly not in the electrical industry, it may or may not be, you know, a, a new challenge that they sort of hear. and. Uh, you know, it might sound as simple as just cooperation between uh, retailers and generators and distribution companies, but there's a lot more to it than that as well. And and you know, you, you st when you when you really start to unpick it as well, you you, you could look at it as um, you know, there, there's potential maybe misuse of data and all that sort of stuff. And then I know you know individuals start to um get upset about those types of things too where it's oh, well, why why does the electricity distribution company want to monitor the way that i'm using my electricity and then they understand patterns and habits and all that sort of stuff but these types of things are also critical for making smart um, investment decisions into networks as well right so you know with that type of data you're able to understand how uh, energy usage, uh, where it's going to peak or where it's going to dip in certain areas at certain times, and you can build your network to sort of flex and move with that type of network. So it, it's it's like as you say, it's, it's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity at the same time. And, and uh, I know there's some good work and some good people, um, you know, uh, contributing to to making that happen at the moment across New Zealand. So it, it's it's definitely exciting. Um, what do you think? One of the biggest misconceptions about asset management. Uh, is sort of in our communities or, or in, in Aotearoa? Um, I think one of the misconceptions, if I uh, speak at, at the public level or a common person level, is that uh, they believe that uh, that uh, the asset management organization and infrastructure owners uh, don't want to invest on assets. and uh, But they don't understand the current uh, sort of setup, how um, uh, they are uh, how much they are allowed to invest, and what sort of decisions they are about. They are they are allowed to make uh, for those investments. So uh, this is a common perception or misconception I I sort of hear or 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 feel, and that does not uh, really go with the electricity distribution companies. Same applies to you know 
you know, NZTA or Kiwi Rail or other infrastructure owners, and you would see people complaining about a lot of those issues around potholes, for example, on the roads or or uh, you know poles and wires uh, not being in good conditions or 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 you know uh, train tracks or train failures, etc. So there's so many other uh, uh, challenges, but the the lack of um, uh, capital. Uh, or, or access to the capital is probably the primary uh, primary challenge, uh, which is driven by uh, regulation, but uh, not many people actually understand how the regulation works and controls infrastructure management. Uh, apart from those who are involved, uh, majority of the people don't have understanding of how uh, these decisions are actually made. So that's probably my take on the biggest misconception. I think you may have a very different view on this, but oh no, I, I certainly think you're correct there. That that's that's the the same conversations you know I might have with with friends or people who aren't involved in in infrastructure at all or, or asset management. And I, a lot of the time, it's like, well, what do you actually do? You know, kind of asking me these questions. And I, you know, the best way I can explain it is as you know, relating it back to something personal, which you know might be like everybody does asset management, perhaps when they buy a car, you know, and and sort of going through the whole, you know, are you getting value for money? When does this need uh, maintenance on it when do the tires need replacing but with that as well a lot of people are generally constrained by their own capital <laughs> to, to do that type of work too so and it's absolutely no different to any other asset owner it's just the scale at which they are operating on they just have a lot more assets and a lot more capital but you know for for um to to increase those those sort of maintenance rounds or the replacement rounds or whatever you know they need more capital to do that and that generally flows on to a customer or a consumer at the end of the day and you know perhaps there's other sort of funding models that could be used but you know that may be that may be an entirely different podcast altogether because that's a whole <laughs> other can of worms right <laughs> yeah absolutely and forget about common people i mean this was also a challenge um, which we had to explain to our designers and other engineers Sometimes they don't even understand uh, why mm. certain decisions are made apart from the planning. So we have to go explain them, look, this is the amount of funding we have and we can only do this much. You can't do all of that. So we have to optimize what we can do in this financial year. And then you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, a whole level of arguments about, oh, this is very important. We need to do this. We need to invest here. Uh, and the misconception is that there's unlimited amount of funds available. And then whatever needs to be done, you can do it. And that's the that's probably one of the misconceptions which even flows into the infrastructure owner's uh, own staff. Sometimes you yep. have to you know explain them that this is not how it works. And and, and that's one of the, the the you know the the challenging parts of asset management and you know perhaps the roles we 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 play in is that you know you need to bring everybody on the journey and it, it can be frustrating sometimes when even people you you may work relatively close with still you know they don't see that bigger picture and I think that's where those, those you know a certain type of mind or or person or personality sort of understands that bigger picture and how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together and you know it's really about trying to to make it work with everybody whether it's um the regulators you know people within a business or the asset owners the community you know all of these things sort of tie together and so it's certainly no easy feat so um you know for, for asset owners that's definitely going to be one of the biggest challenges that we start walking into over sort of the next five to ten years probably with with all of that sort of aging infrastructure um 
just before we sort of start to wrap things up, I was just wondering if there was any sort of favourite quotes that you have or, or sort of inspirational words of wisdom that you may want to pass on to the, the listeners out there, anybody listening? <laughs> yeah, no. Look, since we are talking in the context of asset management, uh, I, I have a favourite quote I always use with my staff uh, in, in a lot of our conversation. I don't know who said it, but it's very much spot on. And that is... Uh, do what you say and say what you do. And that is absolute uh, asset management. Uh, because when we are allowed or we are requested to disclose what we do as part of our asset management plan, it is very important for us to really measure at the end of the year that we have actually done what we have said. Mm. And that is very, very important. Uh, and that's how I sort of, uh, you know, um, try and explain to uh, a lot of my staff that, look, whatever you're saying in the assignment plan, uh, it doesn't end here. You have to go back and actually verify that you have actually achieved all what you said. Otherwise, don't say it if you can't deliver it. So uh, I, I, I really like that quote and I, I, I try to live uh, by that quote as well. Yeah, I really like that as well. And, it, you know, it, it just adds that that layer of governance uh to, to to asset management and, and to everything that we do right you know you're sort of validating it and it's you know if you talk the talk you can we've got to walk the walk right so <laughs> that's good hey is there any advice that you'd give to maybe um future asset management professionals or, or anybody maybe just starting out on this career path i can probably go on on this topic for a long time but uh, a couple of things i would like to say i think there's a slight difference between asset management and network management or, or, or a specific uh, infrastructure, what you're dealing with. Like for example, if electricity sector you're working in, being an electrical engineer is not, not good enough to be an asset management professional. So you need to really uh, understand how asset management is done. Uh, and that is purely risk management. So if you really wanna be an asset manager or you want to be an asset management professional, make sure that everything you do, you think through risk management framework. And if you have not really understood the risk management framework of the uh, of the infrastructure organization you are operating in, you need to have a really good handle on that. So that's one very important aspect, which uh, a lot of uh, us uh, sometimes forget, and we all go by uh, you know uh, age based or some other different type of approaches, especially when you have constraints for the for the funds. Second thing is that uh, you require a lot more new skill sets to make good decisions. I think I touched on the data aspect. If you really want to be a good asset management professional, you need to have a really good handle on data. You should be comfortable dealing with large data and be able to derive some really good intelligence out, out of the data. And you need to do it yourself. If you're going to rely on someone else to tell you, then you're definitely going to uh, suffer from delays and, and will not be able to make timely decisions. So do not shy away from learning a new skill and, and get your hands dirty with large data set and get involved with, with the data team and see how the data is coming from different systems and then you can utilize it on your day-to-day -day, uh, asset management and risk management. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Wakada. I think that's fantastic advice and um, yeah, really appreciate you sharing your insights and your knowledge and your wisdom today. And uh, it's been great to have you on the show. And um, yeah, I hope you and I continue talking into the future and, and we may have you back on for a future episode. <laughs> Thank you so much, Josh, for this opportunity. And I hope uh, that it has been useful and I hope to talk to you soon as well. Thank you very much, Wakada.